Hello there, my name is Oscar Velasco. I am your host for this podcast. I want to give a big shout out to Dr. Emily Riles for approving this podcast. And this podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor allows you to edit, record, and import um, your your basically your podcast into a podcast. So it's free. You can download it on the Apple app. Um, but this is this podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Um, so today, the this podcast is going to focus on the psychology of superheroes and masculinity. So we're going to look at how how superheroes handle loss, such as human loss and grief, and the sacrifice they make to pursue justice. Um, in this podcast, we will discuss heroism, uh, human loss, masculinity, and violence. Some of the characters that we're going to look at is are Marvel superheroes and DC superheroes, such as The Punisher, Spider-Man, Daredevil, Batman, and many other more. The first superhero that we're gonna look at is The Punisher, also known as Frank Castle. Uh, Frank Castle is someone who just um, he's a war veteran. He's someone who just got back from war, trying to relive a normal life, trying to um, re-enter society until a horrible tragedy happens where his family gets caught in the crossfire of a mob shooting on Central Park, New York. And he is the only one who survives that um, mass shooting that his family is caught across. So he takes the law into his own hands and seeks retribution and wants to avenge his family's life. So he goes out and kills all anyone who was involved in that mob shooting, but also um, pursues, takes the law into his own hand when the law isn't enough for people. Um, this, um, What's so interesting about Frank Castle is that there's a lot of qualities and characteristics that he plays um, but also symbolized as a fact that many would want to see. In, in the book, uh, Superheroes, a Modern Mythology, author Richard Riles uh, describes the, the origins of uh, book characters such as the P- Punisher that have a parallel with Western protagonists in the film. Um, and this is what he writes. He writes, a hero is marked out of society. And his devotion to justice overrides his own devotion to the law. So sometimes superheroes seek justice that's above the law. Um, he also writes, furthermore, like Western heroes, um, many characters suffer through personal issues involving family, vengeance, guilt, especially um, personal, uh, personal fight by characters like Batman, Spider-Man, Daredevil, and the Punisher. And um, characters like and superheroes like Batman, uh, Spider-Man, The Punisher, I would say Captain America, all, they're all characters who suffer human uh, um, and family loss and st- struggle with guilt and want to seek vengeance when traditional forces of authority um, fail um, to obtain justice. Um, and they ultimately uh, seek life apart from the society that they protect. The Punisher is someone who uh, uh, symbolizes taking the law into his own hand, but also um, 
killing and avenging anyone who has done um, an unjust action. Um, there's a scholar article that I, I read called The Punisher and the Politics of Retributable Justice by Kent Warhester, um, who said the Punisher represents the frustration of millions of people who feel powerless and fantasize about striking back at their enemies, whether they're real or imaginal. And what's interesting about the Punisher is the Punisher was a superhero that was um, introduced in the Spider-Man comics, um, uh, Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man uh, episode 129 in 1974, where we see how the Punisher, also known as Frank Ca uh, Castle, um, has this like uh, moral law. He says he he has a strict shoot-to-kill policy. And one thing that he said in the comics that represents his character in the films and the TV show and on Netflix, uh, he said, I only kill those who deserve killing. It's not something I like. It's simply something that has to be done. And throughout the comics, throughout the movies, and throughout the, the TV shows, the Punisher um, battles mobsters. He goes after hitmen, drug lords, biker gangs, human traffickers, child pornographers, government conspiracy theories, white supremacists, white uh, collar uh, criminals, corrupt police officers, man, and just many more. He's just out to kill um, anyone who is feel he's a threat, feels is a threat to society, but also um, it has a shoot to kill policy that he lives by. And the that whole narrative started uh, when the Punisher lost um, his wife and children who were gunned down um, on a mob hit in Central Park. Um, and it basically, the character, Frank Castle, it, it transformed him into a domestic warrior where he became known as the Punisher. So he's a war veteran who just got back in the comics. He, he, he served as a Vietnam um, war veteran. In the movies, he served as a as an Iraqi war veteran um, to make it more relevant to the audience. But he, he also re uh, symbolizes someone who is still fighting at war where um, killing and violence and, and um, taking the law into his own hand is still not enough for him. One thing that's interesting about the Punisher is that he doesn't wear a mask or has a secret identity because he has no one to protect. And I think that's something that's different about him than many other superheroes, where many other superheroes ha um, have a secret identity to protect the ones they love, where if they're pursuing justice, they feel like they can't put um, people they love in the harm's way. Where in the Punisher, he has no one, um, no family to protect or um, because they're gone. So he is out seeking um, vengeance, violence, um, and just killing anyone who he feels he des um, deserves to be killed. Um, and who ultimately take, um, put people in harm's way. Welcome back. It's Oscar, your host, here to talk about, again, this college of uh, superheroes and masculinity. So we talked about the Punisher um, and just how he's defining grief and loss. Next superhero we're going to look to is Spider-Man. Um, there's a scholarly article 
it called a psychoanalytical interpretation by scholar Richard uh, Calplane, who talks about um, the superhero Spider-Man, mostly uh, critiques the 2002 film starring Tobey Maguire um, as he plays the role of Spider-Man. Um, one thing we look at that's really familiar is the formula in Spider-Man. Um, and the formula in Spider-Man is very similar to a lot of superheroes. It's the boy meets girl, then the, uh, the boy loses the girl, has to save the world, wins the public acclaim um, and the world's approval, and captures um, its love. Now, Peter Parker, who plays Spider-Man, he's a high school student beginning the film who receives uh, his spider senses and strength through a spider bite that's radioactive and so it's an injection of scientific reworked uh, or, or organic compound. And um, we see that transformation within his body. Um, P- uh, Peter Parker uh, acquires muscles, a hard body. His physical changes um, give him not only the power and responsibilities, um, but also um, sexual, sexual att- attraction. Um, that's kind of just... Uh, films really portray on superheroes is that for anyone to be a superhero you have to have really big and um, like muscles and be physically fit Um, so the movie portrays that really well Um, also in the movie he has to go through an undergoing test of of boldly endurance and strength um, that are somewhat a test to his character to kind of prove to his masculinity Um, what's interesting too is the author Richard uh, uh, Kalplane um, looked at the systematic way of how um, cinema movies construct the protagonist plot and and actually um, marks uh, it to the crisis of masculinity. Um, and one thing he said in the article is that he said, what I mean by that, in heroism, a hero confronts an evil deal, evil doer. He must also resolve his own ambiguities and dysfunctions. His task is to find his, his way back to social connection and significance. And he achieves this resurrection through a reformed masculinity. So in the film, Spider-Man has to go through a reformed masculinity. Um, and to accomplish this, uh, there's only two ways that the film really um, goes about. And number one is that this, uh, order, in order for Spider-Man to um, reform masculinity, he either has to harden his heart um, and and act tough so the world around him won't hurt him as he's fighting justice, or he has to learn how to how to soften his heart and let others in, um, as well as trying to balance the role of Spider-Man and Peter Parker. Um, so yeah, he's um, the protagonist is looking for a vindication, um, but also. Um, just validation in his masculinity as well. So next, we're going to look at the hyper-masculinity in Spider-Man. So in, um, in observing masculinity in the movie Spider-Man, um, Spider-Man represents a uh, life of self-seeking individualism. It's one way he defines his masculinity. Um, there are some good consequences and some bad consequences of approaching this type of approach to reform masculinity. Um, scholars have argued that what, uh, one good consequences of this approach is that it teaches uh, individuals um, 
to accomplish anything in the midst of adversity. Um, but I want to say the negatives uh, out, outweigh the, the positives in following this approach because uh, to understand the negative effects and it basically means that like you're forcing your masculinity um, in the force of egotism, basically that ignores all social ties, um, compassion, morality for the sake of one's brutal force. So it's actually, it's actually a more of a selfish kind of like do your own route, but, but it cuts all ties to a social connection, to significance that you have with others, with relationships. Um, and, uh, the author says in superhero films, super abundance of masculinity, uh, lies the action hero fighter, perhaps, uh, cuts off the normal satisfaction of domestic society. So it's crazy to think that superheroes in a way who put on the, um, the mask, um, basically had to cut off all, um, like satisfaction from the domestic society that they live in. So they feel they can't be part of the society that they protect because it will leave them vulnerable um, to be hurt. Um, so, um, and we just see that Peter Parker, um, again, Spider-Man, actually struggles with guilt throughout the film. Um, he feels responsible for his uncle Ben's death. Um, and after his, uh, his uncle Ben's death, he actually takes um, his... Uh, his uncle Ben's um, advice that he gave him in the beginning of the film that be kind of that becomes his own philosophy as Spider-Man, um, and that philosophy is with great power comes great responsibility. So, um, in the beginning, we just see a whole new transformation of just Spider-Man, where Spider-Man just wants to live a normal life and ignores Uncle Ben's advice. Um, but throughout the whole film, we see that he embraces it um, and carries that law into his um, philosophy of fighting justice. Um, but he, but Spider-Man also pers- persuades himself with all personal connections for the sake of his role um, as a mass figure of justice. Um, so he feels he has to sacrifice um, anything he loves in order to um, take the mantle of justice. So again, it it feels like he has to be the Socratic kind of hardened individual who is fighting for justice, but in a way, um, kind of doing it on his own, where he doesn't really come to terms or heal from the death of his uncle, but feels more responsible and carries that guilt um, further in his life that where it really harms him in the relationship that he has. So we'll be back again um, next. When we come back, we'll be talking about Batman and his traumatic uh, experience. Um, Stay with us. Welcome back. I hope you enjoy our section covering the Punisher and Spider-Man. Next, we're going to talk about Batman and his uh, traumatic experience. So Batman is also known um, as a person, Bruce Wayne, who um, basically um, Bruce Wayne witnessed his parents get murdered right in front of his eyes when he was just a child. Um, and um, Bruce vows to avenge the death of his parents as, he's get, as he gets older with a war on crime. So out of this promise that Bruce Wayne makes himself, um, we see Batman being, being born. Um, so... 
Um, what's interesting t- uh, that research and uh, have found that's very similar to um, um, Batman's experience is that when children experience a parental death, divorce, are sexually abused, are very ill, uh, they um, the shield of protective innocent cracks. So they lose a sense of trust in the loss of the world, but they also lose their innocence. And that's what Batman experienced as a kid, is that he experienced this, this whole world collapse when he lost his parents, um, didn't really trust anyone, really isolated himself or community, uh, had, a, had a really like uh, irresponsible um, uh, use of authority, and just uh, really was angry uh, and frustrated all the time. Um, scholars have also linked uh, this to what is called death guilt. Um, and death guilt is basically how survivors blame themselves while others have lived. Um, people who wrestle with death guilt always question themselves, like, why did I get a chance to live while others died? And research has actually studied the victims of the Holocaust and Fukushima bombing who actually um, have explained themselves um, this way where they actually exhort themselves for having lived while others have died. Um, And it's kind of just one way a Batman experiences trauma. Um, I think the solution that how he handles trauma is pretty interesting too because um, one thing that Batman deals with this trauma, uh, childhood trauma and seeing the the loss of his death um, the loss of his parents' death at a young age is that he vows to dedicate his whole life uh, fighting crime. So this is how Batman um, deals with trauma, to fight crime, to overcome limitations and adversity by hard work and mental discipline. Um, but we also see that he gets caught up in being Batman and doesn't know how to be Bruce Wayne. So it's interesting because it's, I kind of see it very similar to a way um, a soldier goes into war and has a difficult time reintegrating society, um, suffering from PTSD, um, doesn't know how to live a normal life. And this is how, um, very similar to how Batman lives his life as well, where he's more comfortable being Batman than Bruce Wayne. Um, And I think what's so interesting about picking these uh, superheroes is they're honestly one of my favorite superheroes. And one thing that I really love um, watching as a kid and as a young adult because I found um, I found ways I think I, I found myself in the same stories of just learning about human loss just learning how to handle grief I think taking responsibility for my grief but also I think I learned some unhealthy ways that I had to um, deconstruct and um, to finish off um, with this podcast um, I think it's important to have the discussion about mental health um, in a relationship with masculinity and approaching mental health um, in the process of grief or, and trauma in a very healthy way where men are talking about their problems instead of um, taking action um, into their hands with vengeance and violence. I think that's actually a very toxic way to handle um, um, mental health issues um, and traumatic experience. I think m- men need to learn how to have the conversations about depression, about suicide, about 
traumatic experience that had to happen to them as a child instead of being buried so deep in, down the side or feeling that they, they have to um, cut all social ties. Um, and I think that starts with the relationships. I think films need to construct that in a very um, um, critical way where it's allowing audience members, I would say especially males, to really um, find ways to heal and be redeemed um, due traumatic experiences that happened to them um, in childhood. Um, and I think it's definitely important. Um, and one thing we learned in class is that one out of six males will experience yeah. sexual assault or some sort of um, 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 sexual abusement. Um, and I don't see a lot of men have, finding the courage to talk about those traumatic experiences as they get older. Um, so we definitely need to have um, dialogues where men can talk about mental health issues. Um, we definitely uh, need films to approach that in that way. Um, and I think it's definitely important that superhero films like The Punisher, Spider-Man, and Batman um, show a, a kind of like parallel um, way of how they're um, overcoming their emotions and their grief, their loss, and being and finding redemption um, within the film that actually allows viewers and audience to connect. Um, man, this has been a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast, um, and I hope it's been a joy. Um, yeah, uh, listening to it. Um, thank you so much. Um, this is Oscar, your host, and we are out.